Chapter thirty six of The Glory of the Conquered by Susan Glasper. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter thirty six With the Outgoing Tide. He simply took her into the room, and there was Carl, alive. That was all she grasped at first. It filled her so completely. She could take in nothing else. He was lying there, seemingly half asleep, looking much as he always did, save that, of course, it was plain he was very sick. She stooped down and kissed him, and his face lighted up, and he smiled a little. Ernestine, he murmured, did they frighten you? It was as she had known. His thought was of her, and oh, how sorry Carl would be when he was quite well and she told him all. She nestled her head close to him, her arm thrown about him. The tears were running down her cheeks. Of the blessedness of finding Carl here, breathing, smiling upon her, sorry she had been frightened. She took his hand and it responded to her clasp. That thrilled her through and through. Those awful fears, those never-to-be-forgotten fears, that Carl's hand might never close over hers again. She leaned over him, that she might feel his breath upon her face. In all her life there had never been so blessed a joy as this feeling, Carl's breath upon her cheek. Nothing mattered now. Work, eyes, nothing. She had him back. She asked nothing more of life. What could anything else matter now that those awful fears had drawn away? She was sobbing quietly to herself. Again, his hand closed over hers. Then something made her look up, and at the foot of the bed she saw Dr. Parkman. One look at his face and she grew cold from head to foot. Her throat grew painfully tight. Strange things came before her eyes. She could not move. She simply remained there upon her knees, looking at Dr. Parkman's face, her own frozen with terror. The doctor came to her, took her hands, and helped her to rise. Two nurses and another doctor were bending over Carl, doing something. Dr. Parkman led Ernestine into an adjoining room. She did not take her eyes from his face. The appeal, terror, in them seemed to strike him dumb. It was as though his own throat were closed. For several times he tried vainly to speak. Ernestine, he said at last, Carl is very sick. How? sick she managed to whisper how sick she repeated as he stood there looking at her helplessly and finally he said as if it were killing him to do it so sick that don't say that she fairly hissed it at him don't dare say that you did it you and then sinking down beside him catching hold of his hand she saw it out well, heartbreakingly, oh, Dr. Parkman, oh, please, please, tell me you will save Carl. Her sobs were becoming uncontrollable. Ernestine, he said sharply, be quiet, be quiet, you have got to help. The sobs stopped. She rose to her feet. He pulled up a chair for her, but she did not sit down. A few sobs still came, but her face was becoming stern, set. Tell me, she said, 
holding her two hands tight against her breast and looking him straight in the face and then he jerked it out carl had been taken ill pain fever he feared a pentacitis he had two other doctors see him they agreed that he must be operated on immediately they brought him here they found conditions awful they did all that surgery could do every known thing was being done now but they did not know he had rallied a little from the operation now he seemed to be drooping he was in bad shape generally heart weakened by the shock of his blindness intestines broken down by lack of exercise whole system affected by changed conditions all these things combined against him he told the short story with his own lips white swaying a little seeming fairly to age as he stood there her face had been changing as she listened he had never seen a human face look as hers did then he had never heard a human voice sound as hers sounded when she said dr parkman you are mistaken she looked him straight in the eye a look which held the whole force of her being i say you are mistaken we will go back in here now to carl you and i together are going to save him there was the light from the higher worlds in her eye as she went back in her voice a force which men have never named or understood and something which emanated from her took hold of every one who came into that room there was more than the resources of medical science at work now on her knees beside the bed her arm about him passionately shielding him from the dark forces around him her face often touching his as if reassuring him ernestine spoke to carl quietly tenderly forcefully love's own intuition telling her how much to say when to speak by her warm body which loved him by her great spirit which claimed him she would hold him from the outgoing tide her voice could rouse him where other stimulants failed the only effort he made was the tightening of his hand over hers and sometimes he smiled a little as he felt her close to him two hours went by the lines in dr parkman's face were deepening they worked on unfalteringly hypodermics heat rubbing oxygen all those things with which man seeks to deceive himself and for which the foe with the tolerance of power is willing to wait but their faces were changing the call of the outgoing tide that tide over which human determination has not learned to prevail was coming close they worked on where they were trained to work on even through the sense of their own futility looking about her ernestine saw it all and held him with a passionate protectiveness if all else failed her arms arms to which he had ever come for help and consolation could surely hold him the cold fear crept farther and farther into her heart and as it crept on her arms about him tightened not while she held him like this oh not while she held him like this and then a frenzy possessed her that she should sit here powerless weeping despairing surrendering while carl slipped from her she must do something say something something to hold him firm call him back make him understand that he must fight suddenly a light broke over her face she looked at dr parkman who was 
bending over Carl. I will tell him, she whispered, what I did, the secret about the work. He hesitated. Medically, his judgment was against it, and then, white to the lips with a horror of the admission, he faced the fact that this had passed beyond things medical. Let her try where he had failed. Through a rush of uncontrollable tears, he nodded, yes. And she did tell him, in words which were not sentences, with sharp flashes of thought, such flashes as alone could penetrate the semi-consciousness into which she must reach, after a moment of pause in which to gather herself together for the great battle of her life, with concentration, illumination, with a piercing eloquence which brought hot tears to every cheek, and deep, deep prayers to hearts which would have said they did not know how to pray, a woman fighting for the man she loved, human love at its whitest heat pitted against destiny. She told him, Carl, at the last, you understand? That's the great secret. That's the great picture. I've not painted one stroke this winter. I've been working for you, working in your laboratory every day, studying day and night, getting ready to be your eyes, going to give you back your work. Oh, Carl, Carl, won't you? But the sobs could hold back no longer. She had reached him. He took it in, just a little at first, but comprehension was growing, and upon his face a great wondering, a softening. Old man, it was Dr. Parkman now. You get that? See what you've got ahead? Good God, man, but it was splendid. She came to me with the idea, her idea, thought it all out herself. Carl was not happy. Carl must have his work. Carl, Carl! It was nothing but Carl. She was closer to him than anyone in the world. She could make him see what others could not. Then she would be his eyes. Man, do you know that this woman has fairly made over her soul for love of you? Do you know that she has given up becoming one of the great painters of the world to become your assistant? Do you get it, Carl? So help me God, it was the pluckiest fight I've ever seen or heard of. And she's one. I'm no fool, and I say she can do what she says she can. She's ready. She's ready to begin tomorrow. What do you say, old man? What do you think of Ernestine now? Isn't she worth taking a good brace and living for? And then he got it all. He was taking it in, rising to it, understanding, loving. And a look that was very wonderful was growing upon Carl's face. Ernestine, he whispered, dwelling long upon the name. His voice, a voice of wonder. You did that for me? I did it because I love you so, she whispered, and it seemed that surely death itself could not withstand the tenderness of it. And then his whole face became transfigured. His blind eyes were opened to the light of love. His illumined face reflected it as the supreme moment of his life in that moment he triumphed over all powers set against him he rose out of suffering on wings of glory he transcended sorrow and tragedy blindness yes in that moment death he saw behind the veil he saw into the glory of a soul he comprehended the wonder of love 
compensation for suffering and loss understanding victory peace it was the human face lighted with divine light they did not dare to move or breathe as they looked down upon the wonder of his face ernestine little one he whispered the light not going from his face you love me like that you see carl it was this must reach him what you have to live for now but he did not get that he was filled with the wonder of that which he was seeing you see old man said parkman sharply what you've got ahead of you but he only murmured happily faintly as one about to fall asleep she loved me like that it terrified her it seemed not as though the great idea were holding him but as though he were taking it away with him even as though well content to go having this to take with him from life carl carl she sobbed don't you see how i love you don't you see you must live now for me but he had far transcended all senses of suffering or loss even her suffering and loss her plea she herself but not reaching he and the great idea were going away together and that light did not leave his face it was so that he sank into a sleep he did not hear ernestine's sobs he knew nothing of her pleading cries in a frenzy of grief she felt him going out to where she could not reach him she called to him and he did not answer she pressed close to him and he did not know that she was there but the great idea was with him it lighted his face to the last it was as if that were what he was taking with him from life it was as if that and that alone he could keep carl carl she cried terrorized look at me speak to me i am here ernestine is here and then the strongest word of woman to man i'm frightened oh take care of me carl take care of me dr parkman tried to take her away but she resisted fiercely and they let her stay and during the few hours which followed she never ceased her pleading to him to come back to her to them to help crazed with the consciousness of his slipping from her wild beyond all reason with the thought that her kisses could not move him her arms could not hold him her passion lashed to the uttermost in the thought that she must claim him now or lose him forever she pleaded with all the eloquence of human voice and human tears she could not believe it that he was there beside her and would not listen to her pleadings again and again she told him that she was frightened and alone that surely that he must hear it could not be that he was there beside her breathing moving a little now and then and did not hear her call for help and when at last she heard someone speak a low word and saw someone bend over him to close his eyes she uttered one piercing heartbreaking cry which they would bear with them so long as they lived and then throwing herself upon him shielding him keeping him there came the wild futile call of life to death Carl, Carl, Carl.
End of chapter 36 End of part 2